Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's Pulling Back the Curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. Season three of the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast is brought to you by Samato Coffee. Pull Back the Curtain podcast listeners will receive a 20% discount on your order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit their website at www.sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people? And what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with our rawest opinion, while giving you the straight up facts. That's right, no fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm Chris. On today's episode, we're joined by special guest, Chris McDonald from Coldwell Banker Realty, as we pull back the curtain on learning from mistakes and much, much more. Chris, what's popping, baby? Man, Jules, I'm excited over here, bro. Got some. <laughs> I got a fun weekend on tap. Yes, sir. Ooh-wee, what we got going on, man? Oh, you know I'll be down there in <laughs> Vegas, bearing down. <laughs> Listen, I want you and Dub. Shout out to Big Dub, my man. Y'all be sir. careful out there. I know you guys ain't going to have no, no problems, but you know how the Raider fans are. I know, dude. I've had so many people texting me. They're like, hey, man, just realize that them folks, they're crazy. I'll be seeing TMZ. I'm like, you're right. You're right. I'll be careful. But also, too, I ain't no punk. <laughs> yeah, yep. Hey, and I want the Raider fans to know. <laughs> Friends and Doug, hey, they ain't going to go for it now. So if you're going to come, you got to come strong, but don't come at all. <laughs> right. So if you see a, a black guy with long hair wearing a 52 Mac jersey, white jersey, <laughs> just leave me alone. <laughs> just let me do my thing out there. <laughs> oh, man, I know y'all going to have a ball out there, boy. It's going to be interesting, man, but you know what? I'm definitely going to take the opportunity to try to plug the podcast as much as I can. Um, got some business cards up. So, man, I'm just uh, definitely trying to mix in the fun, but also, man, try to keep the business as much as possible. But, you know, it's Vegas. Well, it's overdue for me. I got to get out there. It's been three and a half, four years since uh, I've been out there. Oh, shit. I'm just, I'm, we might have to do, we might have to make that move, uh, Jules, when you're ready. You might have to make that move. And you might have oh, to yeah. do, you might have to do Vegas with prayers, man. Since, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be an experience if you do that now. Uh-oh. Nah, that's a different experience, man. I, I went <laughs> yes, out sir. there with the missus, man. I had fun. Ooh, prayers. When they sell you, you you can't keep track of time, man. You don't know what day of the time it is, man. It's just so People never sleep. Stuff going all night long. Always yeah. going on. Hell yeah. Man. Look, they, they take all the clocks out of them casinos. They be pumping oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> man, we was out there for a weekend. We was just, well, I can't even tell you what time we was getting in. We was just out all day, all night. And I know how y'all get, because y'all like to y'all like to walk around and sightsee. So I'm sure y'all was yep. enjoying that. I got a funny Vegas story, man, before uh, before okay. we get into these mailbag questions. So, <laughs> man, for my big birthday, I was there a couple of years ago. And, man, I got in. Man, whew, we, we had a good night. That's all I'll tell you. That next morning I woke up, I had to go get me one of them IVs. They do IVs on the strip at one of the hotels. I needed that because I was like, boy, I am depleted out here. <laughs> oh, dog. <laughs> Dang, I wouldn't even pay any attention. They do that, man. It's like 100 bucks. I'm talking about I felt like a brand new man. <laughs> Dang, you said you got in so much. You straight complete. 
dehydrate yourself. <laughs> I was I was done, Jules. I was done. <laughs> hey man, but that's where you know that's where you know you's out there having you know just enjoying life and having a great time. Yes, sir. So for any of you folks that listen to this show, that you go to Vegas and you go hard one night a little too much, go get you one of them IVs. I'm telling you, you'll appreciate it because I was good for the rest yes, of that sir. trip. And you know, and speaking of speaking of birthdays, you know today is Mrs. Birthday. Oh, happy yeah. birthday! Yes, you know we we ain't gonna do a a Vegas thing today, but we got, <laughs> she want to. I asked her what she want to do. She want to get something to eat and go to the uh, zoo. Okay, where y'all going to get dinner? I don't know yet. She didn't tell me yet, so they leave everything up to her. You know, it's her day. Whatever her she want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, we. Hey, I'm just okay. Um, I'll sit in the uh, in the coordinates. <laughs> you like listen? I'll, I'll put it into play, and I'll take you there. Yep. So it's going to be a nice little day because uh, the weather there is nice out here. And then also, too, because I know yesterday it rained a little right, bit. Right, right. Yeah, it rained a, li- a little bit yesterday. Today, so far, so good. Just pray that the weather hold up and we just have a nice day. Because prayers, I know you can probably can tell a little bit. I'm a little little congested, man, because, you know, my pop's birthday was uh, oh, yeah. the other day. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we took him out, man. This weekend, man, we get it in. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to meet up with y'all during the, the Bears game, dude. You know, yeah. uh, I, went, I went a little nuts at the game, and I was like, I didn't want to come down there, man. I was <laughs> I, I was feeling that tailgate. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. It was so many people out, man. I'm glad that the uh, Bears had – well, the Bears did that thing, man. I told him, I said, man, you was a good luck charm for the Bears and the Sox because they both won. Yes, sir. Which game do you like better? Oh, you know what? He was in all oh, the Bears game. Yeah, I hear you. I he was in the Bears game, man. That Bears game, he was just, he was standing up. It was some, the refs, man. Dude, what's up with the refs? Bro, I feel like every call was going against us, wasn't it? Right. I'm like, well, are we in Detroit or are we in Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> man, it was, it was a lot of bad call. calls. It was a lot of bad calls, wasn't it? He was all into it, man. We got him one of them big foot longs. And, man, he was a kid in candy store. <laughs> I love that, man. See, you know what? That's what it's all about, man, is those memories, bro. Because that's something right there. He'll probably sit back in the future and just be smiling like, man, my kids, then they take care of me, man. Maybe they make sure I get to see the things that I love, you know? Y'all did right, Bob. Yeah, we was all out there, man. We took a picture afterwards. He put it on Facebook or whatever. Okay, okay. That sounded about right. You know, the, the older generation, they still be messing with Facebook like that. Yeah, so he put on there. He had a great time. And, you know, I'm glad we did it because we was kind of contemplating what we are going to do for him. And, I was like, man, we did this. You know, we're we going to do the Bears. Then my brother, my older brother, wore the coach. He was like, hey, let's do let's do the Sox game, too, because they're both playing Detroit. You know, the Sox playing Detroit, the Tigers uh, in there. I was like, cool. All right, all right, we're on it. Yeah, look at that. Look at coach. Always, always thinking. That's a good yeah. little weekend, though, man. That's a real good weekend. So, yeah, man. The only problem is I was out there for that Sox game, and uh, it's, it was raining. Yeah, I can tell. I hear and you. You hear it in my voice, don't you? Yep. <laughs> And, you know, it's just a little congested, but, hey, man, hey, I had a great time. And, you know what, being out there for that Bears game, too, because it started to get a little drizzle a little bit out there, too, at the end. I've been drinking on the NyQuil and DayQuil. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jules, I'm sure you'll shake it off very quickly, man. That stuff don't want no parts of you. They'd be like, uh-uh, let me leave him alone. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, dude, I hope uh, the missus has a, a good birthday and, Let's get into these mailbag questions, son. All right, cool. Well, first, before we do that, though, I got to hit you with this fair file. Now, I was watching some of the news, and I don't really watch the news all that often, but 
it was interesting. It popped up on the news about Andrew Wiggins and his comments that he said he basically was forced to get the COVID-19 vaccine. So I wanted to ask you, Jules, and audience, feel free to chime in on this as well. Fair or foul on the NBA's policy, or basically, I think it's the policy of the state of California, basically making sure that he got that vaccine because he felt like if that policy wasn't in place, he wouldn't have gotten a shot because he said no one in his family has been vaccinated. Mm. You know what, uh, Prez, looking at this, I'm going to call it fair. Okay. I'm going to call it fair because technically, yeah, he did get forced because uh, <laughs> because New York and uh, Cali is the only two, I believe, for now, they say you have to get the vaccination or you won't yep. play. Yep. So I was like, well, what are you going to do? You know, he got family. He need his, he need his bread. Eventually, everybody's gonna get vaccinated. That, that, I mean, that's just my opinion, right? I mean, it's no, it's no, it's no getting around this. So you might as well say, "Hey, you know what? Let me go ahead and get it." And he said, and he was like, "And in ten years, we'll see what happens if he's still around." So yeah, I did I hear mean, when he said that. So you know, people still thinking this this vaccine is gonna have some effect on them uh, health wise in the future. But listen, we don't know a lot of what's going on as far as the the side effects or if you're going to get sick in the future. But one thing we know for sure is that underlying conditions, if you don't get the vaccination or, you know, if you don't have good health, nine times out of 10, you might not make it out. You know, those one things we need to take into consideration. I think we should trust the science. Right. We should just get it for us a precaution and just move on from it because right now it's moving in a direction where, hey, you know what? You got to get the vaccination or we got to go a little, you know, something else. If it's your job or you, you can't come outside or you can't travel or whatever the case may be. But he on this, on this question, fair five, I think it's fair. He did get forced, but it's a good force. It's not, it, I mean, personally, I don't think it's not going to, it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt you. Just go ahead and get the vaccination. That way you take care of yourself. Even if you did get it, you're not trans, you know, transferring it to anybody that can get it and have a uh, serious uh, uh, health conditions. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people aren't thinking about, Jules, and I don't want to get too sidetracked with this, but think about it. You and I were at the Bears game on on Sunday. I was high-fiving people and, you know, stuff like that Uh around me. Then I had to think about it for a second. I'm like, damn. I was like, I don't even know if these motherfuckers have been vaccinated. So then at the same time, I'm like, well, I don't have those concerns because I have been vaccinated. But if I hadn't been, I probably have been less likely to want it to be doing all that, right? Because... Not only are people, not only should people be thinking about themselves, but you should think about, hey, what if I'm carrying this thing? I'm a systematic and I can be passing this shit off to someone else who could then pass it to someone else because that's how this shit works. So I look at it too, where I think it's fair. But to the point that you made on last week's show, I do think at certain points, we're going to have to look at situations on, hey, are we forcing people to do this or are we sitting down and educating people and saying, hey, this is why you need to have this stuff done. Here's the science on it. Here's the research. So you can make the decision that's best for you. Because in certain situations, you have guys that are saying, well, I was forced to do it. Well, in this case with Andrew Wiggins, I call it fair because, dude, you're going to forfeit $32 million this season if you weren't going to play. Because Come on, bro. $32 million. Come poke on. me as many times as you need to poke me. <laughs> right. Right. Prez. Hey, Prez. Right. You're going to turn down that money because you don't... And he got the John, so he got one shot. Right. <laughs> so, come on, man. Because 
that's the thing. He would have had to forfeit any game that was played in California if he didn't get that. That was going to be a lot of bread he was going to pass up. And to the point that you were making, 26-year-old kid, he's got two kids of his own. He's had a family. So, man, come on, bro. Be an example. <laughs> that's an easy question for me. They come up with me, hey, if you don't get this shot, you, you can't play. Wait a minute, how much am I getting a game? Oh, no, come on. Come on with it. Well, yeah, yeah bring it. it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Come on with it. <laughs> bring it. I'm looking at that. He probably lives in some big-ass mansion somewhere. I'm like, uh-uh. I look at my mansion. I'm like, no, nah, I'm keeping you. Go ahead. You hit me with that Johnson right. Johnson. <laughs> hey, I bet you people in his family tell him, boy, you better get that shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said he's the only one in his family now that's had it. So he said he took the gamble okay and took the risk. They okay with it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they are. If that was my brother... And I was in that family, and he was like, man, I got to get this vaccine. I'm like, yeah, but you get all your money, right? Shit, what you waiting on? <laughs> what you wait? Come on. I'll tell you, I'll drive you up there. Yeah. So I agree with you, Jules. I think definitely fair on this one. But I do think, though, it's going to come a point where, I don't know, man, the situation, I feel like we're going to have to do a better job of educating people and making sure that they understand the science behind it so that way people aren't just sitting here and, and just feeling like, oh, man, there's some conspiracy theory, this is bad, and this and that. Like, we just got to educate folks, you know, and hopefully, you know, we'll see that people will start to come around on it because it's not going anywhere. I mean, to go to that Vegas oh. game, I had to sign this, um, this, I had to sign up for this app. It's called like a clear app, and you have to upload your uh, vaccine. So even to get into the stadium, you got to be vaccinated right. for Sunday's game. So, you know, Vegas, they're not playing around. And I, I have a feeling, Jules, you're going to see more and more of these sports arenas probably doing that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> People, if you ain't vaccinated, hey, they tell you, you're going to need to get it now. Because if you don't, then I think you got to go through some crazy um, process to get admitted into the stadium, and you got to keep your mask on the whole time because what they do is they give you armbands. So I guess a green armband means you're good. If I see anybody with that other armband, I'm like, man, stay the hell away from me. <laughs> oh, Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're running away from people. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to stiff arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just hope it ain't no Bears oh, fan. I'm a, I hope it ain't no Bears fan. I'm going to blast their ass on the pod. I'm going to blast them. Damn. <laughs> oh, man. They, they wear the Justin Fields jersey. I'm like, take that damn jersey off. <laughs> oh, man. Damn. Well, speaking of which, Jules, the first mailback question comes right. over from Ronnie from Oswego, Illinois. And he said, fellas, right, how would you feel about Justin's first start? And his second part of his question was, what is your prediction for Sunday's game? Man, dude, Justin did his thing. Sir. Justin did his thing. He came out and it was like, go ahead and, and wipe off that, uh, that Cleveland game because that wasn't. You know, that was just one of them throwaway games right there. <laughs> but he came out and just just dominated. And I'm really happy for him because you know what? This kid is tough. He said he used that game with Cleveland as a motivation for this. And did he ever? You know, they took <laughs> they took the, the play caller from your man. <laughs> you know, give it back to Bill. And um, and you can see it. And it was like, dude, where was this at? Because he opened up the field, he was hitting Mooney. Montgomery was uh was doing his thing, dude. The first play was what I forgot was it six plays, seventy something yards. Oh, the I first think? drive, yeah, yeah the, the first, first drive. drive. They marched it, man. So 
and it just kept rolling from there, man. The defense was on fire. Man, Justin, man, he did his thing, man. I'm just so happy for him, man. I'm just so happy for him. And and another thing that we was there to see his first game at home for, for victory. Jules, I agree with you 100%, man. Justin Fields showed a lot in that game. He showed that he belongs in the league, but he also showed that <laughs> Matt Nagy was holding him back in that Browns game. So we had a uh-huh, competent yep. play caller that was calling competent plays. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that the play calling was like the best play calling I've seen, but it was competent play calling. And that, for us Bears fans, that shit goes a long way because <laughs> we went from awful to competent. I'll take that all day long. Uh-huh. When I think about his first start, especially at home, hey, Justin did what he needed to do. He got the job done. The kid's tough. He's intelligent. But I see a bright future for him. Now, as far as my prediction yes, for Sunday, I think Sunday may be a Uh-oh. little tough. The reason why I say that is David Montgomery got injured in that game. He's going to be out four to right. five weeks with that knee injury. Well, you know that offense was basically running through David Montgomery. He's a big part of what we do. So that's a key loss. So you take him out of the equation, and then now you look at, okay, who's going to replace David Montgomery? It'll probably be Damian Williams. Well, right. I don't know how that's going to go with the offense. And then I look at scheme-wise. Are they going to trust Justin to throw the ball more? So it just depends on how they utilize Justin. Do they get Justin running the ball a little bit more, using his legs to make plays? I don't know. A lot of this, man, is just we don't know what the hell they're going to end up doing with this offense. The defense, I feel pretty confident about. They're showing you that, hey, the defense is back. The offense, though, is the wild card in this situation. So I think Sunday's game, Ronnie, I think the Bears are actually going to lose. And the only reason why I feel that way is just because, man, no David Montgomery. And then, like I said, you never know when fucking Matt Nagy's going to get involved with that play calling. Because I saw, when I rewatched that game, I saw a lot of times when he was talking into that damn headset. I'm like, man, you talking on that headset way too much for my liking, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. So remember, remember we saw that trick play. I text you. I said, uh-oh, that must be a Nagy play. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious because Wildcat when you text me that, what the... when you text me that, I was texting you the same damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, dude, my my prediction, man, press is hard because as Bears fans, you want to see them win every game. Yep, Las Vegas, or if you old school, we will go with Oakland. You know, because press, some people are like I can't call them Las Vegas. <laughs> you know, I remember when it was in Oakland. I think. As a Bears fan, you like to say, as a Bears fan, you want them to win. But the Raiders came up with a loss against uh, the Chargers, and they're gonna be a little, they're gonna be a little hungry. They're gonna be a little hungry, and then, and and the Bears is next on the on the line. So I hope and pray that you know Matt Nagy and the rest of the boys got a good uh, good scheme going on. But prayers, I agree with you. It's gonna be a tough one. I hope we win. I think. Uh, Far as I know, you and you and Nutty Dub on uh, the Braves Central, you guys give your keys on how the Bears can win. It's gonna be tough, man. I hope they win, but it's it's gonna be tough. And that's all I'm saying. Yeah, Ronnie. So we'll definitely see, and we'll we'll be talking with you again on on our thoughts uh, after the game. We yeah. got another Bears related question, Jules. The next one comes over from Devin. He lives in Bronzeville in Chicago. He wanted to know how would you guys feel if the Bears left Chicago to move to Arlington Heights. Ooh, it'll be bittersweet, man. I, you know, mm-hmm. as you think of the Bears, it's like Soldier Field. You'd be like, man, that's where the home of the Bears and the greats have played in. You know, to move to uh, Arlington, it's like, wow, it's gonna be different. But 
I've seen prayers. You've seen these new stadiums they're building. It's like, I don't even know what you call them. I know they call <laughs> stadiums, but I mean, they get, they're, they're like state of the art. Like, yeah, it's like, I'm, it's compared, it's like, it's like Fremont in, in Vegas to, to New Vegas. That's actually true. That's a great fucking dude. comparison. <laughs> dude, it's like, man, dude, yeah, talk we, that talk, Jules. we see old <laughs> Vegas, but then you go to New Vegas, you're like, damn, just the architect alone. Mm-hmm. The builders, you get the replica of the Statue of Liberty and all that stuff. And it's like, wow. So it's it's bittersweet, man. If they move, I would, it'll be sad because, you know, they move it out of Soldier Field. Oh, Prince, let me ask you something. If they move to a new new state, would it would the name stay? Will it be called Soldier Field or would it be a different name? No. The, okay. the, mayor, the mayor's already said they can't use that name. Oh, okay. Ooh. So you know what they're going to end up doing? If they end up moving out there, there's going to be some corporate name. I'll get used to it. Like anything yeah. else. I'll get used to it. I'll hate to see them go, but if it have to be, then, hey, we'll pay. I still support them. Yeah, I mean, Jules, I, I agree with what you said there. And I love that Fremont to the Las Vegas strip analogy. That, that was That's quotable right there because that's exactly how I see it. Soldier Field is Fremont. <laughs> and <laughs> any new stadium they build is going to be like one of those damn casinos and hotels on the strip. These stadiums that they're putting up right now are incredible. That stadium, that, that SoFi Stadium there in, in L.A., oh, bro, that thing is beautiful. That thing in Dallas that Jerry put together, beautiful. So I can only imagine what they'll be able to put together there. And I want to say, because, Jules, you've been out there to Arlington Racetrack. That site is huge. Yeah. It's huge. Uh, imagine what they're going to be able to do with that space. Man, you know they're going to put a dome. Oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a dome because that'll help them attract major events. Yeah, you get more events. You get the Super Bowl here. Yep. Ooh, that's a tough one for me, Prez. It's like, because, you know, we grew up with the man, Soldier Field, the name, the people who played on that field. Then you move it's out. It's a tradition. It's a tradition. It's a tra- I get yeah. you. Ooh, but then you look at the possibility of the new state. Yes, sir. Oh, man. And, and okay, you can put that retractable roof on there. You'll be able to add twenty to 25,000 additional seats. That's going to be additional revenue and income. But the thing that, Devin, that I really think why the Bears are going to do this is because they don't own Soldier Field. They want to own their own stadium. They want to be able to have a say in what goes on with that stadium. Right now, they have no say at all. Mm. So I think that's the biggest thing to keep in mind here. And I will say this, for any of our listeners that are from Chicago, Lori Lightfoot did not create this problem. What she did do, however, is underestimate the Bears. She thought, oh, they need us. They're going to stay here in Chicago. They're not going anywhere. The NFL's not going to let them move. Well, the Bears showed you. They put $200 million up. Yeah, I heard. Yep. Oof. That's more than bluffing. At first, I thought they were bluffing. When you put your money up like that, no, nah, that, that no longer is a bluff. That's a move. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Now you got to do some willing and dealing now because they show you they mean business. Yes, sir. Now, I will say this, too. I got some friends that live kind of close to Arlington Heights, and a lot of them, they're looking forward to it because they're like, hey, my property value is going to go up, man, if they bring this shit out here. So they're like, shit, bring it. And they're like, I'm, I'm down for it. They said, unless our taxes increase as a whole because if they do all these renovations out there, are they going to do it at our expense? So you got some people that's looking at it from that standpoint, but other people are like, Hey, my house value about to skyrocket. Man, we shall see. I'm going to be sitting on the edge looking, waiting on this, see what's going to happen. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. 
All right, Jules, the next question calls over from Tanya from Patterson, New Jersey. She said, what do you think about Lizzo's comments about Chris Brown? And audience, in case you guys didn't see it, Lizzo fangirled out. And she said, Chris Brown, you are my favorite person. Jules, talk to him. Yeah, she's not only she said her favorite person, she said her her favorite uh, in the whole effing world. Oof. Oof. Uh, hey, she she really loved Chris Brown. With Chris Brown history, I know a lot of people bring up what he did to Rihanna. Like I said, men should never put their hands on female. Right. I, I'm, I'm totally 100% on that. And he was wrong, no doubt about it. And she know that she know the history of that. For her to say that and then people to come at her, she shouldn't be surprised. But here's the thing, Press. That's her opinion. I guess you worship this man. And all we can do is say, hey, we can ride with it or we don't. That's all we can do because she's entitled for that. And all right, cool. Me, I really don't care, really, Perez. I'm trying to be cool with it. I really don't care because it's like, like, man, you know, you got people out there that supporting people have done done wrong by people. And and Perez, we had talked about this previously on the on the podcast where people who've done things in the past, if they're really repentful and really sorry, should have, you know, should we let it go? Now, I I don't know. I don't know the whole story with did he. Talk to Rihanna. Are they cool now? Did he, uh, you know, apologize and got help? I don't know. Well, if he did, cool. Yeah, I don't know if he has with that situation because they neither one of them really uh-huh. speak on it too much. But I will okay. say, and I don't really get involved in people's personal matters too much, but he has had some other slip-ups other than the Rihanna situation, which is why I think people kind of coming at Lizzo a little bit. But to your point, okay. Okay. when I look at this one, Jules, I'm kind of like, I mean, people on social media, I feel like a lot of times they're just looking for something to be mad about. Because you think about it. They're just waiting for somebody to do something where they can, oh, man, I can't believe you did that, or I'm going to cancel you, and blah, 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 blah. Listen, Lizzo obviously likes the music, and maybe her choice of words in this situation, maybe that was a little little weird. Maybe what she should have said was, I'm a big-ass fan of your music. You're so fucking dope. Should have said that instead of that favorite person in the world. I think that's the part where everybody kind of hanging on to. But I would just say, man, people, man, stop getting mad about every goddamn thing. Fuck. Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. I, I saw this and I'm like, all right, okay. Hell, you got people out there that still rocking with R. Kelly. That's them. I don't know what to say, man. Now, I will say this. Now, I was glad to see that Lizzo in this situation wasn't dealing with trolls that have been coming at her for her looks and her appearance. Because also, if any of you guys that listen to this show and you guys are doing that shit, y'all weirdos. Y'all let people live. Stop doing that shit. Stop trolling folks. It's, it's just lame. Now, if you got something that you feel differently about her position on this, hey, you're entitled to your opinion. Just like she's entitled to her opinion. Now, I may not agree with calling him her favorite person in the world or whatever the hell she said. But if she's a fan of his music, that's cool. Now, another thing that y'all got to realize with these damn famous people, they might say a certain thing on camera, but they may be different people when the camera's not there. And and totally in that moment, the camera wasn't on her. She was just having a conversation with somebody that she admires. So a lot of times y'all got to be careful with the people that y'all see here and put on on these damn pedestals and think that they are different people because they are famous. These people are no different than anybody else out here. They make mistakes. 
It ain't perfect, you know, so it is what it is. I hear you, man. Good point. Good point. All right, man, Jules, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. The next question comes over from Tim from Pontiac, Illinois, and he wanted to know, how did you guys think Lamar Odom looked in his exhibition bout against J-Lo's ex? Man, he looked good because he he won. I mean, dude, this is, this is no contest right here. Lamar Odom, 6'10", 6'10", 230, man. He got a long reach. Mm-hmm. He got a long reach. All he did was 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 just jab, stick and move, stick and move, just use his jab, circle around. He's not a professional fighter, but against against a, they're both the same. So against uh, uh, Noah, you know, who's 6'2", he's tall too, 6'1", uh, a little lighter, he's 200. So Lamar just had his way with him. Then he beat uh, Aaron Carr uh, the first one, first time. So it's like, you know, I you know my opinion about these these celebrity boxing matches, uh, Perez. But to answer the question, I mean, he looked good. I mean, he looked good. I mean, as far as what he was doing in there, he was just stabbing, he looked, I mean, jabbing and moving and, you know, work, work on his strengths, just staying tall and lean and, and, and moving around. I, now, again, I won't be paying to watch this stuff, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but Lamar, I mean, he was decent. That's all I can say. He was decent. Yeah, I know in this fight he predicted a knockout, but like you said, man, he, he used the size because yeah. in this fight, like you said, he used the jab, kept dude away, and he fought on the outside. That was great. But I also say he was much improved from that fight that he had with Aaron Carter because remember that first time he uh-huh. got in the ring? That shit was awful. Right, <laughs> right, right. He, he looked like you a know. bully fucking beating up somebody at school in that fight. <laughs> I mean, that dude too damn big, man. It's like, <laughs> hey man, I couldn't, I couldn't be me in there. I probably hit him right in the nuts or something like that. Like, <laughs> I mean, he too, he too big, all tall and stuff. Like we, <laughs> he's tall as hell. Like you said, six ten with that jab. Good luck with that. And even the dude that he was fighting, that dude was in pretty good shape physically. But hey, Lamar wouldn't let him get close. Right, you kind of you, you got to expose yourself when you get in when you coming inside. Yes, because you you know you know you're gonna get hit because you got to come to him because he's so so long. So I, that was some easy some easy work, easy work. But what I think what old boy should have done is he should have looked at some of Tyson's old tape because Tyson was only five yes. ten, and Tyson knew right. how to neutralize people's jabs because he would duck the jab and then once he got inside you, shit, here come that uppercut, <laughs> you know. So that's right. what he really should have done. Hey, Perez, you said it there, man. That dude, you know, Casamato had introduced Tyson to that peekaboo method, man, where he just moving and moving ahead and bobbing and weaving and just, yep. it's hard to hit a moving target. That's right. So, hey, yeah, go, hey, cats who want to fight, uh, I think he told Benzino talking about he wanted Benzino. I, I told him Benzino, Perez. <laughs> man, I don't know. I know he old as shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, like in his fifties, because when he commentated, yeah. Some, yeah, yeah, he was commentating. And he told me he <laughs> wanted to fight with uh, Lamar, and I'm like, come no, man, stop <laughs> it, yeah. stop it. That's the Again. thing. How you get to the point where not everybody want to get into the ring, right? You know what, Press? If they're gonna be throwing some money out, man, I'll jump in there, man. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You actually know what the hell you're doing, so. Yeah, at least they give a show or something. They give a show. <laughs> hey, I'd actually pay for that. Hey, thanks, man. <laughs> hey, listen, I see you on that heavy in that speed bag. Hey, this man got some hands, y'all. He got some hands. He definitely do. Man. But, but Benzino, but, hey, stay out of the ring. Stay yeah. out of the ring, Benzino. No, nah, no, nah, leave that alone, man. Just commentate, I guess. <laughs> 
And then maybe even that I don't know about. This <laughs> 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 man said I want Ooh, a shot wait. at the champ. Uh-uh. No, sir. <laughs> I'm just telling oh, you, you, you said this on a couple episodes. You said, bro, they are going to make a, a mockery out of this sport. Now you got all these kind of casters thinking, oh, man, if I train for six weeks, I could be a fighter. Like, no, man. You look at this sweet science of boxing. This shit's either in you or it's not in you. Look at the greats. Look at a kid like Floyd Mayweather. He grew up in that sport. Oh, dude. Right. Father, uncle. Been boxing right. since he was a right. kid. Yep. Hey, man, this shit ain't nothing to play with, y'all. It ain't nothing to play with. You can't just, in your middle age, just pick this up and just, oh, yeah, I'm going to be great. Perez, I've been been boxing for over 10 years. And there's cats in there I spar with, been boxing since they they were shorties. And, man, their style and where they at, what mine learned 10 years, compared to they grew up in it, I still can't, I can hold my own. Right. But, man, I'm getting tagged left to right now. Of course you are. Because they I see mean, you before you even wind up, right? And it's like, man, you can't just you can't just pick this up and say, "Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm, I'm a box." But now to that point that you just made, there, Jules. Now for these people and the listeners, if y'all want these people at these sporting events, then y'all want to kick off fights and talk some shit to people. Now realize it could be people in the mix like Jules. Now you heard this man say he hasn't had ten years of boxing, so don't just be judging folks and thinking, "Oh man, this guy quiet. He ain't gonna do nothing because they'll lay your ass out." There's a lot of people out here in this world. Yeah. You don't know. Oh, dude. Man, Perez, tell them, man, because just be nice to everybody, folks. Yeah, man. <laughs> Listen, that's why I always tell you, Jules, I just want to have fun in life. I'm not trying to fuck with nobody, but I'll tell you one thing. Uh-uh. You come over here knocking on the door, I'm going to answer. So, <laughs> Dang, Perez. <laughs> dude. Man, your looks alone, man. They're they not trying you. <laughs> People, if I can show you a picture of this man, they not. <laughs> you know, that black hole, y'all better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to look for you too, Prince. <laughs> hey, yeah. I'm telling you, and I'm doing it on purpose. I'm wearing a white jersey, so I'll stand up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Yes, sir. All right, man, the last mailbag question, man, before we bring our guest in. The last one, Keisha from Rock Island, Illinois. And she wanted to know, did you have an issue with Akon's rich versus poor people remarks that he made? Audience, if you guys weren't aware of the comments that he made after the passing of Michael K. Williams, he made some comments basically saying that, hey, rich people actually have it worse than poor people. Jules, talk to him. Chris, I'm not sure if I can agree with rich people have it work uh, hard, have it harder. Because let me let me just say something. Okay. An addiction, no matter rich or poor, it doesn't matter. That's right. It doesn't matter. Now you may require as far as a wealthier person get more hands-on supplies. But guess what? A poor person can go out and, and, and do some things to get that, get that supplies. So rich and poor, I don't think is 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 the problem. That's not the issue. The addict, you know, addiction is addiction. But what I do agree with him on is when, as far as them, the, their privacy. See, the thing is, when we hear my, a story about Michael K. Williams or a DMX or whatever the case may be, passing on over, overdose or drug-related issues, we know about it because it's public. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're a public figure. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people out in the world 
who are ODing or dying from this, of course you're not going to know about it because just an ordinary person. Right. The issue, he's I, he had validity on both sides as far as their privacy, but also I don't agree with the, uh, the statement as far as richer person have it harder than a poor person. You know, that's my that's my take on it. No, and listen, I I, I feel you. Because I think when, when, when I saw these comments, I kind of slightly saw what he was saying. I just thought that the shit was a little weird. Sometimes these uh-huh. comments, you got to kind of see what context they were, like, meant in. Because, you know, sometimes we'll see a quote and everybody will look at it and they'll, like, run with it. So when I thought about this, and Jules, you know I've said this on the show a lot. I think back to when we were younger, when we really didn't have as much as maybe we got a little a couple things now. I always say that I was happier when I was poor because, you know, they always say, well, ignorance is bliss, right? And at this stage of life now, being an adult with bills, you know, with a family to support, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that shit. And um, so when I look at that, I kind of see his standpoint of the fact of, hey, maybe it is a little tougher when you have a little bit because, hey, there's a lot of inherent struggles that come with that because, if something happens, man, and you fall off that perch, they're gonna be like, man, what happened to Prince? Man, they used oh, to have that nice little crib right. over there, man. Shit. He had to sell that. You know, so you know what I mean with that. So it's like a lot of pressure, I think, sometimes it comes. Now you magnify that by someone that's rich and famous. And you gotta think about that, like to the point that you made about privacy. That's a part of the situation there. But these people that are famous, they have people pulling at them, asking them for stuff, for favors. Everybody wants a piece of them. Everybody, I guess almost expects for the person to do this to do that for them. So I feel like that's a part of it, you know? And so uh-huh. I see what he's saying. I just thought maybe the comments of saying that poor people have it better. I mean, I don't feel like that's true, but I feel like life was a little simpler when I was young and poor and and, <laughs> and didn't know any better. But I also think that life is also what you make it at the same time. So, Oh, no, dude, you, you're correct. Because, yeah, he did say he was happier with, with less money. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Prince, to your point, you get all you rich and famous, everybody's coming for you. That's stressful. I can only imagine in one day, you know what I'm saying? But yes, sir. Uh, that's that's you know, that's stressful. Like I said, that's why I agree with him far as far as uh with that. It's just uh Prez, but he did make a statement for uh Akon made a statement say a lot of our great people are going out because of this. The thing is, man, we need to do something to, for that. You know, because we, we lose some great ones. But I also think, too, Jules, and this might be a, a conversation we could do on another show. Uh-huh. I also think that a lot of that, though, is the person. Because where are your values? Your values got to be rooted in more than money. Your values, you have to connect true, with yourself. True. And maybe sometimes some of these people that have these demons, these demons get them because they're not connected to anything. And so when I look at that, I said, you got to be valued more than the almighty dollar. You know, no, no, I, I do things point. that I'm passionate about. If money comes with that, great. But I'm still going to do it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, true. Dude, where your morals and your values and stuff lie at? That'll be a great one for the next uh, or future episode. Yes, sir. But I'm not going to kill Akon for that because, as you know, right. Jules, man, everybody's entitled to their damn opinion. I always try to look at an opinion and say, okay, well, where did it come from? What, what was the person trying to say? Because we all know Akon grew up poor. He ain't poor no more, but he's also trying to say, like, hey, I have my own struggles. And he's telling you, like you said, Jules, these these people that are having these drug problems and these addiction problems. Look at Brother DMX. That man had a lifelong, he had lifelong trauma, like with his upbringing, his life. 
And I'm just going to finish this off by saying I couldn't imagine being rich and then you acquire people that are around you and you don't know if these people had your best interest at heart or if they're around just because of who you are and, and the perception and the, and the value of what you could do for them. Because I'll tell you one thing, I ain't got shit right now. So I know the people that's rocking with me, they rock with me because they like they they fuck with them all for. Ain't nobody worried about me right. breaking them off with no change. So that's a different ball game because I got real ones around me. I don't know if that's the case for these people that got money because you probably got a lot of yes men around you. I ain't got no yes men. I don't want that shit. Stay the fuck away from me with that shit. Dude, you hit it right on the head, man, because if you have none, if you surround yourself with number yes people, dude, you, that's, you, you, you're setting yourself up for a, a disaster for failure. Man, just, just let's let's take let's take Mike Mike Michael Jackson Prince. Man, if you had somebody that said, "Listen, man, c- c- come on, talk to him like you don't need this, or you don't need that," somebody stay with him, man. Where would they be at today? That's true, because at that point, both of those individuals they didn't have those type of people around them. Everybody that was around them at that late stage was enabling them, and that's a problem right. because when you got someone like that at that level with that kind of money. How many people are going to be around them is going to have the confidence to be like, bro, what are you doing? They're going to be like, man, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Revoke his access. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, man. Yeah, but yeah, definitely, man. But, you know, as far as, yeah, friends, we're on the same page as far as with, uh, with, with Brother Akon, man. Yes, sir. Well, all right, man, Jules. In the spirit of today's episode, we are joined by Paris McDonald from Caldwell Banker Realty. As we pull back the curtain today on learning from your mistakes and finding your best path in this world, this is someone that I worked with, very, very beautiful soul, very great person, hardworking individual. She's got a great story and audience. We can't wait to share it with you. Paris, talk to him. Good morning, good morning, and thank you too for having me. I really appreciate it. Paris, it is so great having you here on the show. I really respect that, you know, the time that we were together, seeing the moves that you've been making and seeing what you're doing now. So I thought, man, let's get her on this show to tell her story because you did a post on LinkedIn and I get on LinkedIn every once in a while. And so sometimes, you know, you got a lot of people that are self-promoting and guess, you know, whatever, it, it is what it is. But you had a post on there in a video and I was just listening to it and I'm like, damn, I'm like, this is really interesting stuff. I was like, she's got a great story, some things I didn't even know about. And I'm like, I got to get her on pulling back the curtain. And I'm glad that you are willing to come on the show today because one of the things you talked about was what your true passions were when you were coming up and then how you pivoted. And I was like, man, I was like, we've been talking so much this season about people actually following their destiny and doing the things in life that actually matter to them. Mm-hmm. And that was a perfect, I thought, like, just a perfect thing to, to have on the show because there's so many people out here right now with what happened during the pandemic. They're probably just settling. They're not doing exactly what they want to do personally, professionally, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what we've been trying to do is just give people those tools to try to figure out that next pivot and that next step in life. So definitely uh, looking forward to chopping it up with you. Music was something that was very important to you. Can you walk the audience through some of that passion around music and why music? And then also to what kept you from going down that path with music? Well, music was just always a passion since I was maybe, since I could remember, maybe four years old, listening to all the whole old school hip hop artists, Salt and Pepper, <laughs> Eric B. and Rakim, 
just all of that stuff. So I grew up listening to a lot of hip hop. So it was it was just a passion for me. I enjoyed listening to it. You know, I enjoyed going to concerts. I just just the whole culture. I, I loved it growing up. That's what's up. Now, let me ask you. So you 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 brought up the the rap groups. So uh-huh. were you were you were you spitting bars or were you were you a singer? What what was you doing? I was spitting bars. <laughs> That's Ooh, what I was doing. Oh, yes. But you know, I didn't even I really I just listened to music as as a kid and a teenager. I I never thought that I could be a hip hop artist. Never. I, I didn't start writing until I was probably about 18, 19 years old. Okay. So I never really thought that it was something that I could do, to be honest with you. Sure. Well, I mean, you gotta think about it. I mean, Jules, we talk about this all the time on the show. We came up with on that type of music, right? You know, we we was that's how we actually became tight, is just over music, you know. So music is very powerful and strong, but that's something I wouldn't even imagine that I would ever been able to do. So that's why when I heard your story about your passion being around music, I've always been so jealous of those type of people because I'm like, I don't have any sort of musical inclinations in my uh-huh. in my body at all. <laughs> Nah, you don't want to hear me flow. <laughs> no, she, they don't. Nobody does. That's okay. Er, everyone has a gift, so it's okay. Totally okay. Oh. I'm sure you have one too, and this yeah. is probably one of them. Yeah, no, Ju- yeah, Jules. He's 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 all right. Oh man. Hey, thanks, Brad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so with that being said, so you said music was a thing that you started writing about 18 or 19. So how far did you get with music? I had a producer. I had a manager. I was working with a team. And, you know, we would go into the studio. I was I made a few songs and things like that. But I just never really progressed. And the reason being is because, one, I was very immature. I was young. I had a lot of things going on. I was hanging out with my friends. I was working. I was going to school. I was doing so many things and I just didn't really make music a priority. You know, I, I would go into the studio. I wrote to, to, um, beats and things like that, but I didn't, I can't really say that I gave it my all that I took it seriously because it just came easy to me. So I thought, you know, I, I probably don't really have to work that hard. So I kind of took it for granted, to be honest with you. And that's the thing that's really common for people, especially when things come easy to them. They mm-hmm. don't realize that that's a gift that was given. And so if you don't cultivate that gift, then, you know, <laughs> either you lose it or just nothing comes of it. So it's true. That's, so one, there's one thing that I do. I do a lot of work with some of the inner city kids here in Chicago. These kids are brilliant. Now, society may feel one way or another about them. But when you actually sit down and talk to these kids, you'll find that these kids actually have passions. But a lot of times those passions weren't cultivated when they were younger, the streets get to them, whatever the case may be. And so when I think about an episode like today with learning from mistakes, one of the common mistakes that these kids have is the fact that they don't better themselves. They don't try to dig deep within themselves to understand, hey, what it is that I want to do? Because a lot of times they just get attracted to the wrong stuff. So you were talking about how, hey, you were doing all these other things. You were in school, you were hanging out with your friends. Sometimes our priorities also are some of the things to get in the way. And sometimes those could be some mistakes because then you're blocking your actual blessing. It's the way I see it, at least. I agree. I agree. So for me, that's how I felt. I kind of, I did. I took it for granted. And then I just always felt like I needed something to fall back on. 
You know, I felt like I, I had to work. I had to go to school. You know, just say if this doesn't work. I wasn't as optimistic as I should have been about it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. But I also think at the same time, it's safe to not just always put your eggs in one ba- in one basket. I know some people will say, if you got a passion, go 150% towards it. And I, and I can feel that to a certain degree. But I also think that you should always have some sort of a contingency plan in life. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I should have just been more serious about it because I could have still got it done. I could have got it done. I could have worked harder. I could have made it a priority the same way I made school, hanging out with my friends and working a priority. I was young. I wasn't married then. I didn't have kids. I had the time. So I could have, you know, so I almost feel like that was an excuse. I could have made it a priority, but I didn't. I didn't. So I, I, I definitely learned from that. I learned from that. That was a big mistake. Well, we talk about those excuses, right? And and, and those things are like assholes, right? <laughs> yeah. Everybody got one, right? Yeah, everybody got one. Yeah. But but the thing about it is, with that, is we can make an excuse for damn near anything. And and we talk about this all the time on the show. Mm-hmm. Reconnecting with people around you that matter to you. Because we can always say, I'm busy. But what does that mean? We're all busy. Mm-hmm. That's but true. What 2020 showed me... <laughs> is man, sometimes you need to maybe not be so locked in and pay attention to what's going on around you and the people that are around you because they matter. And that was a big lesson that I learned because I was like, well, that one of my bigger mistakes, I think, was not prioritizing the things that were actually important in life. And so, you know, I got that clarity because 2020, you know, rough year all the way around for a lot of people, not Very being much. able to see loved ones, right? And so, yeah. So you learn like, man, when that stuff gets taken from you to the point of like with, with your music, you know, you learn from that. And you're like, shit, that, that sucked. I, I got to figure this out now. <laughs> and this is very true. And you're right. 2020 put a lot of things in perspective for a lot of people, you know? And I just think, I think the failure is fine because, you know, failure de- definitely helps us grow. But I think when you look back, when I look back and I know that I didn't give something my all, that is the mistake. Had I given it my all and I failed, that would be totally different. But just to look back and say, well, I wish I would have did this or I could have did this, to me, that that I never want to relive that again, ever, ever. No, that's fair. I mean, Jules, I mean, that so that last point that Paris made is so powerful because those are the things that we talk about. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail. But what's, mm-hmm. what is not okay is giving up on yourself and not giving it your all, you know? Very true. No, very true. Very true. In other words, how you gonna learn? Make some mistakes and you learn from it. But you know, don't allow the mistake to to mope, you know what I'm saying, to have you stagnant. Or you're not gonna try something because of that mistake. No, no, you make a mistake, you go on, you learn from it, and you're gonna make other mistakes. So you just gotta have a, have a short-term memory on that. And that's how you be a better a better person. That's how you progress. Well, yeah, and to that point, I mean, think about when we were all in school, when we were all coming up. I don't know about y'all, but I made more mistakes than I could count, you know? Oh, man. Me too. Dude, still making them. Yeah, so, hey, Jules, talk that talk. Still making them. Talk that talk. But the, the point of that of me saying that is that I was fortunate that I grew up in a household with people that embraced that. They let me be me. And that was mm-hmm. one thing that I always respected about my grandmother and that relationship that I had with her. She was tough as nails. However... Man, I would do some fucked up shit. She would just look at me and she's like, you're going to keep doing that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
that should be my book when I write it one day. <laughs> but hey, that's 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 a dope title though, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but my point though by saying that is just the fact that we can't be afraid of that. We can't do that to our children. You know, I see parents, and you know, I don't try to sideline parent. I mean, people do what the best that they can, but sometimes I see kids and I'm like, mom, dad, they're going to do that. Like, let them be. <laughs> their, their brains right now are at a point where they're trying to process so much information. And it's like, don't do that. You're holding them back. You know, you're keeping them from learning. And I think a lot of that happens in the schools too nowadays, you know? I think so too. You kind of got to let, let kids grow. And like you say, you got to let them be. You got to let them be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So speaking to the, to the upbringing, so obviously we talked about the music aspect of things. What was your upbringing like? How was it? Where'd you grow up? Did you grow up in the city? How was that time for you? Um, I grew up in a two-parent household, um, mom and my dad. And I grew nice. up on, well, in the south side of uh, Chicago. Okay. South yeah. side. Yeah. Right, south man. side of Chicago. I was in Chatham and Jules was in Inglewood. Oh, Chatham, Inglewood. Okay. Well, I moved around a little bit. Um, first, it was High Park. Okay. I was yeah. in that area. Then maybe around 74, 70s in Langley. Okay. And then mm. 67th in Stony Island. So I kind of moved around a little bit. No, yeah, you definitely I've been did. Around. Yeah, she had that Southside tour. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very nice tour. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but what's important, though, is that Southside DNA. And I always tell people... When I see people when they're grinding their grit, it says a lot about them and you kind of figure out where they're from. So I never knew that you were from the South Side, but I could just tell by the way you carried it in the office. I was like, no, nah, she she got that grind to her. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, I'm in the northwest suburbs now, but I've only been I've only been out here for about 13 years or so. Okay. I, right. I grew up on the south and you know, in the south side of Chicago my entire life. That's where I was born and raised, most definitely. I've I've lived in the nice areas and the rough areas. Yep. So I've had I've had the you know the best of both worlds, to be honest with you. I can attest to that as well because that when I um I had some time when I had to come back home from college because I wasn't getting the job done, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. I came back home and I was living in Bronzeville, like on Forty Seventh King Drive, and and that was a big difference from the house that I lived in in Chatham. But it was a wake up call. Yeah, because my mom and them was like, "Look, if you're gonna be doing dumb shit, you don't get a job. You don't get your own spot." And that was the best thing they could have done for me. So you talk about learning from mistakes. That made me straighten up real quick. I was like, "Man, I gotta figure this school stuff out right away." <laughs> so I don't want to be out here doing the stuff that I'm doing. And no offense to people that have to work certain type of jobs, but I just know for me, I was like, I want more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and that you know what I can definitely relate to that because when my my parents actually split when I was about seventeen, and my dad he worked a blue collar job so you know I I grew up okay I was totally fine I was an only child for eighteen years but when my parents split things were just so different you know my mm-hmm. mom she really didn't have money like that sure. you know so I always that was one reason why I always felt like I needed to work. I needed to work. I needed to help my mom. I needed to take care of things in the house. So that was like always my priority. And, you know, some people would say certain things like, well, why are you always focused on money? Why are you always focused on making money? You have no idea how how I'm living. Like we would have times where our phone was off, you know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of situations, a lot of times where I would walk to the pay phone to call friends and things like that. 
So a lot of people just don't realize your struggles, you know, that that kind of that makes you who you are and it makes you want more. And that's why I've always wanted more. That's why I always worked so hard and was, you know, just always focused on taking care of things at home because of how I was growing up. So I can can relate. That's such a great point because we were talking pre-show and you were talking about my mannerism is in the office, right? And so and so a lot of people say, oh man, he's he's antisocial. You don't know my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you have you don't no know, idea. You, you don't know what brought me to this person that you're seeing. And because of some of the sidesteps and missteps that I had earlier in life, my attitude and focus is like, I can't go back to that life. I can't go back to being that person. So mm-hmm. you with your nonsense and silly shit over here on the side, I don't have time for it. Because I've been there, done that already. I know what that life is like. I'm good on that. I agree. I agree. Because every time I think about certain things, I always think to myself, I can never go back to that again, ever, (laughs) ever. So I have to work as hard as I can and I have to do as much as I can to make things work. And a lot of people that don't know your history, they just they don't understand. And, you know, they just don't understand that. But I can definitely relate to you. Yes, yes, yes. So with that being said, so we talked a little about a music and we talked about your background. So would you say the experience you have with not taking music seriously, do you think that that's what brought you to your present day? Because present day now, you're doing the thing. So what, what you. took you from the music to post-college to your professional lifestyle? What do you attribute to the success that you're having now? Well, in COVID, you know, just like many others, I well, I was working in um, hospitality sales for some time. I've been in sales forever, you know, over 12, 13 years. So I was during COVID, I was furloughed and then I was laid off. So, you know, I've with real estate, that's something that I always followed. I enjoyed it in my spare time. I studied real estate. I followed the top realtors. I've always watched the shows. It was just something that I enjoyed. So when I gave up on music, I just never, I never thought that I'd have another passion. And I didn't realize that this was something that I should be doing. And to be honest, one day I was just lying in bed watching um, YouTube. Um, There was a top realtor in Texas, Chasten Miles. And I was just watching, you know, some of his videos and it just hit me. This is what you need to be doing. It could have, you know, it could have been about 11 o'clock at night. And it just, it just hit me. This is something that you need to do. And I just, you know, I signed up to take the test and that study for it for six months. And here I am right now. I just didn't realize that I knew that it was a passion, but I did not know that it was something that I should be doing. I, I was just watching other people, to be honest with you. Wow. And and Jules, didn't we just talk about that last week with people that sometimes you sit back, you know, hey, there's some things you could be doing. You sit back and you see other people making these moves and you're still stagnant. And I love the fact that she sat there, was watching that video and said, well, why not me? You know what I mean? Why not? Man, that is the question. Why not me? Because I think I'm the type of person sometimes I, I like to let things come to me. You know, even when I'm recording videos, you know, I have a list of things that I can talk about, but I like to let things naturally come to me. And that's what I told myself in COVID. I said, you know, I'm really not sure. I know that I have a passion for sales. I love sales, 
but I need to let this come to me. And, you know, sometimes I think that that works better opposed to just forcing things to work out. So that's pretty much what happened. I just let it come to me. Yeah. And I think that's important. But also one thing, though, Paris, when, with that letting things come to you, time doesn't wait for anyone. So then there's also that that balance of that. Right. So very true. Very true. Very true. Because I have people telling me, well, you know, maybe you should just wait or, you know, maybe you shouldn't do it or maybe that's not right for you. No, I think that I should do it. And when I make up my (laughs) mind, I'm doing it. You know, when I make up my mind, I'm I'm just doing something. And it was it was very difficult to study for that exam in COVID with a five year old. Oh, my goodness. Difficult things I've ever did in my life, to be honest with you. But guess what, though? You did that shit. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. you. I did. I did. I got through it. I got through it. Because to that point, right, and we talked about this so much last year, I gave so many props to the parents that were trying to work, becoming teachers to their kids, and also trying to navigate that with these children. They, They had no clue really what the hell any of this was. And so the parents, I thought, were the true MVPs last year and still now, because these kids still are still processing what's going on. You know, I was at the store the other day and there was a little three-year-old and he was crying because he didn't want to have to wear a mask. He said, I'm tired of wearing a mask. And I'm like, damn, kid, (laughs) get used to it, man. It's not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because like you said, they don't understand. And most Mm -hmm. kids, like my son, he was at home for almost a year. Wow. You know, they don't understand what's going on. And it's it's tough. It's Mm -hmm. tough. It's tough. So... I do have to ask you a question because there's going to be people that are going to be sitting here and they're going to be like, man, I'm listening to Paris. Like she seems like she knew what she wanted to do. She went there and got it done. But how did you get to that point? So obviously you're sitting there with the videos. You're like, hey, I could do this. You said it took six months. You passed the test and you're doing your thing. But how did you get to that point? What type of goals that you set? What did you do? Because that was an unprecedented time in our history. How did you navigate all that? What, what did you do? I honestly... I would have to, with chapters and things like that, you know, my son, he's he's very jealous. So when he sees me reading, when he sees me on the phone, he just starts acting out. I would literally, I would get up four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning and record the chapters on my phone, you know, wow. and then I would listen to it all day. You know, I would listen to the chapters. I would test, you know, test in the middle of you know, I was homeschooling him. So when we had a break. I would take a ch- test online or practice and I would just wake up before everyone, go to bed after everyone. Sometimes I would get three, four hours of sleep. So I just yeah. had to just work around what was happening, not make excuses, just work around it. And it, it was, it was very tough, but sometimes, you know, things in life are not going to be easy and you have to figure out a way to work around it. Sacrifice, right? You got to sacrifice. And I sacrificed my sleep <laughs> quite a bit, quite a bit. See, now I can relate to you on that part because during the pandemic, that's when I started to get into this podcasting because honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. If I didn't have this, I don't know what I would have done with myself because yeah, I ran a lot. I mean, I don't know if you knew this, like I've run some half marathons. So all I did during the pandemic was ran outside and podcast. That was it. Yeah. And the podcast and having the conversations, it kept me mentally in tune because I don't know if, if I didn't have that, I don't know what I would have done with myself. Because I'm one of those people, Paris, I like being out and about. And that got taken away from me. And this podcasting thing just was the pivot for me. So when we started doing this, I was sacrificing sleep because I'm like, all right, 
We started off in the beginning. It was okay. I'm not going to say it was like the best podcast, but I'm one of those people that like, it's about extreme execution. Mm-hmm. I said, I got to get back in the lab here. We got to make this shit better. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. And it's a totally different show. And I have other podcasts in the network, but every show that we do, we have a process for how we get these shows done and it works. But that was something that we learned how to do. It was a lot of hard work and definitely, like you mentioned, sacrifice and sleep. Jules will tell you, it'd be four o'clock in the morning. I'm sending them emails. <laughs> man, <laughs> I'm sitting up here like, dang, dude, when do you sleep, man? <laughs> well, I admire it because I have listened to some of you guys' shows and you have great shows. And I admire oh, it because, you know, you sometimes you, you have to sacrifice for something that you love to do. You have to make a sacrifice. It's not going to just come easy. And I'm very similar. I have to be very busy. If I'm not very busy, I get bored easily. I like to be busy. I like to be overwhelmed. I like to be uncomfortable. That's just who I am. It's weird, but Uh that's just who I am. So I can totally relate. And like you said, just setting goals, you know, you you set deadlines for yourself. Okay. I have to complete this by this time. I'm going to do this by this time. So COVID is not a good thing. And I'll be very happy when it goes away, but some good things did come out of it. I agree. I definitely agree. And I've always told this, and Jules can attest to this, if we didn't come out of that COVID period stronger, and if we don't come out of it in the end stronger, then what do we learn from it? What do we what do we do during that time to to get better, to look within? You know, so there's a lot of people I hope that they've gotten stronger, that they've gotten better. You know, and the ones that are struggling mentally. I hope they're getting the tools and the food that they need to to kind of get through things. I promised myself that I would come out of COVID, you know, with something. I have to accomplish something. I have to do something that I've always wanted to do or, you know, I just can't come out of it the same way that I went in. So I just wanted to better myself in some way. You'd have been doing yourself a major disservice if you would have came out the same exact way. You know what I mean? I totally agree. Sorry, let's also talk real estate. Where are you uh, licensed and what what you been up to with that? Well, I am licensed in Illinois. My office is in Arlington Heights and uh, my specialty is the Northwest suburbs. And I also uh, just, I do still serve Chicagoland. And I'm, like I said, it's I'm very grateful. I've been very busy and it's it's been going really, really well, very well. I'll tell you this one thing, Paris. If the Bears are making those Uh-oh. plans to get out there to Arlington Heights, <laughs> I know. she'll be even busier. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm going to be even busier. So I'm waiting to just see what what's going to happen. And just from a you know personal standpoint, I'm thinking, oh my God, the parking, the traffic. But from a business perspective, it, it's mm-hmm. most likely a good thing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because think about it. On both sides, you're going to have people that are going to be like. I'm not dealing with this. We don't have the infrastructure for this. I want to sell. Paris? <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. you know, or you going to have people true. on the other side that's like, uh-uh, I want in on that. I want to invest over there. So that's a good problem to have. You're in a good spot. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. So, you know, I think, like I said, I think it's something good that, that comes out of everything. So I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen with the Bears and Arlington Park. We'll, we'll see. We'll definitely see. Fingers crossed for you, because I, I, I'm i a season ticket holder at Soldier Field. And okay. so for me, I don't care where they play. I'm still going to go. <laughs> but 
there's a lot of people that are upset. They're like, hey, I don't want them to move out of Chicago. It's not going to be the same. I'm like, you say that now. You'll be driving out to Arlington Heights. Don't even trip. Right, right. Yeah, and change is inevitable. You know, you have to evolve. You have to change. We have to adapt to something different. That's mm-hmm. just life. They're still the Bears. They'll still be playing, just yep. in a different place. Just in a different place. Yeah. And I'm telling you, those property values, they're going to be pretty nice for some of those people out there. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for those folks. If that comes to fruition, that's not going to be a bad thing at all. Yeah, the value is definitely going to the value is definitely going to go up. We'll see how that goes. We definitely will. Well, hey, Paris, before we get you out of here, did you want to leave uh, the audience with any of your information? We have a national audience here, but we have a, also a big local uh, imprint as well. So if you want to leave your information, how people can contact you, if they have any sort of real estate needs, go for it. OK, well, if you have real estate needs, you can contact me at 224 224- 616-2748. And my email address is paris.mcdonald at cbrealty.com. And my website is parismcdonald.cbintouch.com. And if you want an agent that really cares, that takes really good care of clients and is obsessed with real estate and has a passion for it and is consultative, please contact me as I will be happy to assist. I love that. I love that. And she's going to work harder for you than any other realtors out there. I, I Very can hardworking. Oh, I know how you get down. I know how you get down. <laughs> <laughs> you already know. That's right. That's right. So give her a call, audience. As in Paris, thank you so much for coming on. We are definitely grateful. Appreciate you so yeah, much. Appreciate You're you, welcome. Paris. And thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate your support and everything. I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. Hey, real recognizes real. You already know. Hey, Paris, real quick. Mm -hmm. Bust a freestyle. Bust a flow for us. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) No, I'm going to, you know what, Jules? I'm going to keep it clean. I'm going to, I'm going to not do that right now. I'm going to keep it clean. There you go. Because I'm not sure what will come out. Because the hip-hop Paris is totally different than the real estate. So, See? So we we'll keep it playing. It, it, it's levels to it. I, I, I hear you, Paris. I hear you. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, but we'll, we'll try it offline, though. There you go. One one day we'll all get we'll sit around and we'll, we'll bust a freestyle. All right. Let's do it. And, and Jules, right. I hope that you feel better because I know that you, you're under the weather. Yeah, thank you. appreciate you for that. Okay, you're welcome. He's battling over there, Andy. Yeah, you can hear hear it. Thank you. (laughs) All right. See you, Paris. Okay, thank you so much. You guys have a good day. All right, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ah, Jules. Oh, that was nice, conversation, man. man. Yes. Yes, Lord, man. I'm like, you are, man, I really admire that and all what she's done and her struggles and she overcame and just, just dig her heels deep and just start, start, you know, directing her own path and, and accomplishing what she wanted to accomplish. That one night when she was just listening, watching uh, YouTube and say, hey, you know what? This is this is me right here. And there was no no excuse, no no reason. She used to say, hey, why not me? And she put, you know, study for six months, took the test, passed, and here she is, man. And isn't that powerful, man? Because listen, I'm guilty of it too. There's some times that I'll sit around and I'll be playing on my phone and something uh-huh. will entertain me. But I like the fact, though, then when she was having those moments where she's just watching something, she was watching something that was motivated her, something that she was passionate about, something that inspired her. Because in that moment, that's when she said, man, this person's awesome, but 
I should be doing the same shit. I can do this. <laughs> and, and look at what she's doing now. And look where she at now. Wow. That's what we were talking about, prayers on our previous episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and to that point, Jules, I mean, think about it. She's only at the beginning of her journey. She's just now gotten into real estate. But look at the position that she's in with the Arlington Heights potential. The Bears move out there. That's her territory. Ooh. She's going to be a direct recipient of that. If she Ooh. keeps grinding and doing what she's doing right now. Prayers, they move out there. Oh, look out. She's talking about not getting no sleep. Boy, <laughs> she ain't going to get no, but she's built for it. Mm-hmm. Her upbringing, even with her, even with her her music background, it all it all go, go hand in hand mm-hmm. with her what she's doing now because that grit and that grind for the uh, her upbringing, her the where she, the South Side and High Park, all that is 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 all that is like a reason for it, it made who who she is today, and she took that and she's on the grind and it made her stronger and progressive and. And nothing's gonna stop her. You can tell that just by talking to her. Oh yeah, she she's on a mission, and she don't need a lot of sleep. She said she need to be busy. Right. <laughs> she need to be. Man, that's who you got a powerful individual like that, man. Not only did she say that, bro, because that's a hell of a point, Jules. But did she say I have to be uncomfortable? She man, come on. What was we just talking about last week? <laughs> Those man. questions, right? Come on, man. Hey, people, just listen. Just, just th- when you say when some, when you hear somebody say, "I need to be uncomfortable," that means she she's open to any challenge. Yeah, she's not scared from. It. No, and that's what we're trying to promote. Like, hey, listen, things are not just gonna come to you. No. You got to make yourself be uncomfortable in it if you want to succeed. Right, right. Because I'll tell you one thing, Jules. That real estate class and that exam, that shit ain't easy. I know so many people that have been taking that class and they talk about how hard it is. And I see them, hey, I failed the midterm for this thing. I failed this and I failed that. And when I hear those stories from those people, I'm like, yeah, it's hard. But what in life that's worth having isn't hard. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you got to dig in and be willing to do that hard work. And this is somebody that told you she has a five-year-old kid in the midst of the pandemic. Well, this kid is always at home. <laughs> and she stu- what, what did she say? She how she was studying. She was recording the stuff and listening yep. to it in her off time, sacrificing sleep to get this done. So my thing is, there's people that say that they want it, but how bad do they really want it? What are you willing to sacrifice to get what you want? Perez, I just want people to listen to her story. And if you're not motivated by what she was doing and how what she accomplished, I don't know. What to, I don't know what to tell you. But you know what? I hope that you were. And if Anybody has any sort of real estate needs, please hit up Paris. She gave you her direct contact information. She's also on LinkedIn. Hit her up. She's good people. She'll work hard for you. And I promise you, audience, you will not regret working with her. Jules, go on and hit him with that curtain call, bruh. Perez, this curtain call goes out to Janet Metcalf. Metcalf is a psychologist that published a paper called Learning from Errors. She believed that avoiding and ignoring mistakes at school appears to be the rule in American classrooms. And that fact may be holding back our education system. Based on Metcalf research, she feels that students may actually benefit from making mistakes and correcting them rather than avoiding them at all costs. Ms. Metcalf, President and I am Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast family. We're appreciating it. Thank you for all your hard work. Jules, thanks for that curtain call. As always, you can find this podcast on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, 
Deezer, or wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate your continued support of the show. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace.